welcome to this episode, the Teams one, of the Women Talking About Learning podcast. We've just added a load of new topics that people want to hear about, and if you're interested in speaking, then please do let us know. The latest topics that we've added include the hybrid one, the workwear one, and the prejudice one. There's still some episodes that we've wanted to do for a while, and we just don't know when they're going to happen. Trying to align guests, speakers, and times to do recording um, can be problematic sometimes, but it worked perfectly with this episode. I was speaking to one guest, we mentioned the team idea, and everything fell into place. So this week, we're listening into a team conversation between Laura Overton, Michelle Ockers, and Shannon Tipton. Laura Overton is an award-winning global analyst, author, facilitator, and founder of Learning Changemakers, with over 30 years of experience and research focusing on learning innovation, L&D maturity, and business impact. Michelle Ockers is the founder and chief learning strategist at Learning Uncut. An award-winning L&D practitioner and global podcast host herself, Michelle is providing strategic leadership on learning transformation to organisations as diverse as Coca-Cola, Qantas, and Australian Public Services. Our third guest is Shannon Tipton. Shannon is owner and chief architect at Learning Rebels and has over 25 years' experience of learning leadership with a global reputation as the practitioner's expert. As an experienced practitioner, she challenges the norms of traditional L&D functions and has brought real-world experience to support business success at Zappos and the US Centre for Child Nutrition. As with all the women talking about learning recordings, I didn't want this one to end. This is Women Talking About Learning. This is Laura, Michelle and Shannon talking about teams. Well, it's another team meeting, another Wednesday night for me, Laura, down here in London. Michelle, what time is it? Again, I always forget where you are. Well, our regular weekly meeting is 5.30 a.m. my time. So it's 5.42 a.m. I'm sitting on the couch, had my cup of tea, and uh, here we are again. We've oh. been doing these we- weekly meetings for about 14 months now. So I'm joining from, uh, Michelle Ocker's joining from Brisbane in Australia. And Shannon, let's do the time check-in for you. It is a quarter to three in the afternoon in Chicago time. So yeah, I get the sweet part of the deal. You know, it's late at night for you, Lauren. It's very early in the morning for you, Michelle. And I just, you know, do my thing. I, I, I'm the lucky one out of the three. I think it's amazing, Michelle. I hadn't actually realized that we have been doing this pretty much every single week for 14 months. Absolutely. Right? It, yeah. That. That is a revelation. <laughs> That's a revelation. Yeah, a revelation in of itself. Yeah. yeah. And and what, it, you know, if we've been, Andrew's brought here to talk about the team. And actually, it seems a little bit strange to me. I don't know whether it does to you because it's something that we've just kind of gelled as, you know, we, right. we, we're all so different. And yet we have literally been meeting every single week for 14 months. That's a lot of, lot of team meetings that we've That's had. That's a lot of team meetings. I'd miss it if it weren't, if we weren't meeting once a week, I would miss it. Yes, yes. I, I, what's interesting is that, that the, this team, and I know we're gonna talk about other teams we've been in and, and what we've seen and learned about teams from that, but this team is, uh, it operates at several levels, right? Because we came together around a goal, 
um, that that goal being to explore a couple of questions about learning and development in emerging stronger through the pandemic and to doing that through a podcast. Now, we all knew each other beforehand and we had different levels of relationship before we started, but the three of us had never worked together. I'd never worked with you, Shannon. I'd done some work with you, Laura, but it started with a specific goal that evolved over time to become a, a vision, a purpose, and we just keep evolving how we're moving towards that. So I think in terms of the team, um, having a purpose and, and allowing that purpose to shape naturally has been really powerful. But then there's this level of just human relationship between us and looking out for each other mm-hmm. um, that has very much been set in place. The creativity that comes from sparking off each other. So we support each other well beyond the common purpose or common goal. And I think kind of in our little three-person team spread across the globe, there's this microcosm of some of the very best aspects of a team yeah Um, definitely mm. I think that what's been exciting about this is that we're also all bosses and so we're all used to running our own organizations running our own businesses and working with our individual clients um, in kind of very different ways providing very different levels of service and yet I know you tease me about I'm the one who talks first and all of that kind of thing. <laughs> People who know me will get that. But actually, it feels like there isn't a boss of this team. It feels mm. like a genuine um, kind of a three-legged stool where we're all contributing in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but no one's really, you know, the leader. There's this, this kind of like dy- dynamic Um, around the work that we're doing I don't and I've not even thought about that before I don't even know how we achieve that how how does that happen you know (laughs) I think it's just because naturally yes we're all we're all bosses sure we all own our own companies but I think that it's because we're all so tightly ingrained in the philosophy of contributing and collaborating as a means of working, you know? So because we have that as a underpin of how we work naturally, I think it just came out, you know, and glowed, if I will, you know, for for the three of us. And I think that our relationship as a team is very fluid. It depends on what's on the table at the time. So while there's no one you know, one big boss or one leader, depending on what's happening in the moment, you know, we all take that, that reign of here, let me, let me handle that for you, or, or let me help you with this, etc. So I think that that's, I think it's just because we have that shared philosophy that makes it work. The, the leadership is moving around at any point in time, depending right. on what the situation is calling for, and, and whose style and skill set. Um, is best positioned to step in and take the lead through a particular point, right? Mm-hmm. right? Right. I think that's one of the things for me that um, makes this so strong and always feels as though it's not a team meeting, but it's also a learning meeting is because yeah. all of us yeah. have got such diverse backgrounds and philosophies that it's like everyone recognises each other's strengths and we 
well, for me personally, I feel as though you've got my back, you know, that you know where the areas that I am not good at. I'm great at starting stuff. I'm not so good at finishing it. And yet you, you I'll just put my hands up. But you you guys have got got my back in that. And um, and hopefully I've also got your backs when you know, you, you are maybe stumbling, you know, whether whether it's personally or whether it's through work. And it's like all of our strengths hold each other other up. And that diversity of strengths actually really helps with that. Mm-hmm. I think we've been very fortunate and we are completely self-formed as a team. Each of us opted in to be part of this team. Um, and I, I was thinking, you know, as we started preparing for this conversation, Um, what's the best team I've ever been in within a corporate environment? Because I think there's something about corporate environments that can make it very difficult to get the team right. Um, And many of the people eavesdropping on our conversation today will be saying, well, you guys are lucky because it's just three of you and you've been able to pick who you're working with and create this amazing little team experience, but you don't always get to pick. And then there's things happening in the corporate environment which make it tricky, right? So I wouldn't mind reflecting on you know the best teams we've worked with in corporate environments or the best teams we've seen in corporate environments and what's made them so so effective um, so I've obviously given that some thought I don't know if the two of you have kind of reflected on outside of this team what other teams have you worked in that have worked really well well I I've been a part of a number of really good teams and I think that the common thread is Honesty, trust, integrity, respect, you know, so when you go into it with that mindset, and if you have team members who work with that mindset, then it makes it easier, you know, so a lot of times we are just thrown together and you're thrown together in a team and you hope everything works out, but you have to have that starting point of this is who I am, you know, this is Shannon, this is who I am. Here's where my strengths are. Here's where my weaknesses are. And this is how I'd like us all to work together. So you have that strong layer of communication built in with some, you know, some honesty. This is how Mm. we're going to work. And this is how we need to work. And I think that that has always laid a good foundation for any team that I've been a part of. Yeah, yeah, I think honesty, and um, a certain amount of vulnerability, I think, has been really helpful in, in good teams where people are vulnerable with each other and, you know, that mm-hmm. we are able to be able to see where someone is weak and where somebody is strong and be able to compensate for that within the team and actually become much better as a result of that. And I've worked with a, a number of teams where, you know, some of the team players I've just just grown in love and respect for the work that they do and the way that they do it, knowing that I will never ever be able to do what they do and how it all weaves into this incredible tapestry and that, that we know our lanes and to be able to right. work with that. And I think there's some of the best teams is where you've been allowed to go with your lane and that you've been allowed to come up with ideas and you've been allowed to say maybe can we take the direction you've been given a level of autonomy you know to kind of combine with that that purpose um and i think that's always been really you know micro being micromanaged is funnily enough never kind of worked for me Uh, and it's amazing the number of people who say to you join the team of course we want you Uh, and uh, yeah no this is what we want you to do and and go ahead and do it and if are you sure are you really sure 
And, you know, the number of times people say, well, actually, sure. yeah, here, maybe not, but it's okay. <laughs> mm. A little bit of that honesty up front. Prob- I really did ask you the question, and I've had that with a number of clients with me, um, you know, to be able, you know, to be put into that situation where you're trying to set expectations and say, well, what's it going to be like? And they basically just tell you what you want to hear. <laughs> yeah. So, you, you know, I, um, I interviewed someone for a job once. It was actually to replace myself. I'd resigned from my job. Um, and my manager said to me, one of the conditions of you leaving is you recruit your replacement. Um, and uh, no pressure. The, well, no, no. Well, as it happens, I ended up marrying the person I recruited. But that's another story. <laughs> 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 that wasn't we find purpose. out something new every time we meet. <laughs> that, that, that adds to the team dynamic, doesn't it? Uh, so um, in the interview, he actually said to me, he put me on the spot, he said to me, you know, I know part of your job here is to tell me how great it is working here and convince me why I should work here. But he said, but tell me, what's it really like working here? Mm-hmm. That was that was so interesting. And I thought, you know, as part of that kind of process of do I choose to join the team? Um, you know, that's a great question just to, to ask, you know, is it okay if I talk to some of the, the people I'd be working with? You know, as part of the selection process to understand the team. But um, I think uh, in terms of how do those teams get shaped in, in corporate, um, the leader obviously sets the tone. Sure. Um, and that makes a big difference. And you know that saying, people uh, people join and leave leaders rather than organisations and being a great leader will help hold a team together. I'm, I'm curious about your experiences with kind of structured processes for team building. And the best team I was ever in was at American Express um, here in Australia, but it had a regional responsibility. Um, it had a great leader. I mean, he, his personal characteristics, he was very open, he was very transparent. Um, you know, he, he had rules around things like no triangulation. If you've got an issue with someone else, the two of you must sit down and work through it. I'm not going to get in the middle of it. You're adults, mm-hmm. your job is to work, particularly if it was through his direct reports, right? That was super important. But the other thing that happened was his manager, so the regional manager, and we worked in a customer service area in um, payments and processing and customer service. Um, He was from America and he brought in an organisation called Stop at Nothing to take us through um, regionally a leadership team building process. And they worked with us for, I think, about 18 months and took us through an incredible process around forming, storming, norming, performing. Um, and understood those dynamics and they got raw feedback from everyone who reported into every member of the leadership team and there were six of us in this leadership team and they took us through two days we all got an individual report verbatim of everything all the feedback Um, and then for the team as a whole um, full of stories full of when this happened here's what I thought the intention was And that gave us this incredible open space to explore that and to be able to say to each other, you know, I see that in you sometimes too. I know it's not what you mean, but here's the behaviour that leads to that. Mm -hmm. And it built this openness and level of trust and respect. And I think if you, you know, I'm not for these one hit one day workshops, which just do the profiling and leave it at that and and highlight here's the differences and here's how you work with them. But it created this beautiful space of transparency, of comfort with discomfort, of helping each other to have each other's back in that leadership team. 
and just being able to flow that way of working together down to our teams. It was amazing. I wish I had such a good story to tell. Mm. <laughs> just yeah, to have yeah. that in your experience and to experience something positive, to have that role model to you is yeah. so powerful. Yeah. And I'm just it I, was. just making me reflect on the earliest teams when I, I joined kind of the corporate world. And the, there are two teams that I can re- I'm really thinking of. The first was I've always worked with EdTech and the first was with customer service and working with organizations. I was really young. That was run by a woman and um, she uh, rec- it was mainly girls in in the customer service team. I have to admit, but I was kind of kind of quite hungry to move on, move up. And yet, in our organisation, it was only the guys who'd been coming through IBM or Rank Xerox that got any decent decent roles. And I found that this woman that I was working for. Um, constantly recruited over and above me and I had to train up all of these older ladies who kind of all sat there and all right oh yes of course I've got so much experience darling you're just a graduate you know (laughs) and and that kind of I really felt in that team of women that I didn't have what you've just described Michelle I didn't have there wasn't trust there wasn't an opportunity my job was to train up and make all the other ladies look good Um, and eventually I actually got um into sales actually and then I got headhunted and then I was in another type of team where then it was all men and I was the only woman in what was seen as very much a male domain and that was an absolute nightmare Mm -hmm. it was like I had to fight my corner Mm -hmm. all of the time I was accused of taking food out of their family's mouths by coming in and sharing their accounts you know I was just how long ago was that Laura that was in the um, 90s, in the 90s. Um, and it was, so the experience is so completely opposite to, you know, I felt as though I've always had to kind of fight my corner, prove, use evidence, always have smart arguments, um, always be able to back up what I said because my opinion never counted. Right. It was, you always had to have something else to show that you could be listened to. Um, so it was kind of... <laughs> so opposite to you Shannon hopefully you've got good experiences well you know I've got good experience and mixed experiences like like you Laura because my corporate background was mostly in male-dominated industries so there were many many times where I was the only female in the room and I remember my first training or learning leadership position in one of these organizations, which shall remain nameless. Uh, The first team meeting that we had had, again, a senior leadership meeting, we're trying to set the strategy for the year and only female in the room. And I started to ask a question, like, I help me understand why this is a, a priority, et cetera. And the gentleman next to me turned to me and said, you're just training. You don't have a voice here. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. Um, All right. I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think so. So anyone who knows me knows that that's not going to go over well. But But I did have to take a moment to process that. And fortunately, the, um, the person who was leading this particular team, he said, well, you know, that was disrespectful. I think that we can treat her better than that. You know, so he did come up, but I had to really step back and think about my position 
and my predecessor. I did not know who that was. And clearly whoever that was did not garner a lot of respect within the business. So now what it, what it made me do was sit back and say, what's my role in this? How can I now build trust? How can I build respect on what learning and development is supposed to do and how we're supposed to contribute to the business? And fortunately, I have a lot of business background too. So I'm able to talk their language. And so once they realized that I understood business, then the team kind of formed you know, so it formed with me or allowed me in, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And so that was a very interesting experience, but it taught me a lot that one nanosecond in time really gave me um, a perspective of how we needed to operate in the future as far as teams were concerned, you know, and being sure that people were able to have a voice and allowed to have a voice but also understanding your role in the team. Yeah. I think it was really interesting when you say it's about your business background that allowed you maybe to, to address more issues um, mm -hmm. within the team as well. And I think that's one of the challenges, you know, obviously Andrew's invited us on because we're women talking about learning and, and it, mm -hmm. the three of us talk about learning every week, but actually we talk about the business of learning every right. we're, we're, we're constantly that's our focus isn't it? it's our dna it's part of our purpose mm -hmm. is to really think through the business of learning and i think that that gives us much more of an authority uh, even in our own team we feel as though actually this isn't something soft this is something hard it's something important it's something critical that we're doing with organizations how we're building other people up you know and i think shannon your point there to being able to talk about business some, there's something about that that I think has or is it just me dynamic I think our responsibility with teams is understanding the team dynamic it's understanding why are we on the team what is the team supposed to accomplish what's my role in that and a lot of times I think that we we jump into teams and we're really not sure and we don't ask and then subsequently you know the, the group is headed to Australia and you're headed to London, right? And so, so the paths aren't crossing. And I think that we have a responsibility to realize when that's happening and make the effort to fix it. It, it strikes me that having a strong degree of emotional intelligence is listening to that conversation flow on is really important um, to fitting into a team and to being part of a positive team dynamic. Because I know I spoke about the importance of the leader before, and there's no doubt that a great leader can create a great team or the environment for a great team. But there's also the question that many of us are members of teams and we're not the leader, um, but we make a difference to the team dynamic as well. And I think that's an interesting thing to think about, um, to, to pause and think about the dynamics going on around us. And it's not just around blaming someone else if the team dynamic isn't working well. And to be to be looking out for others in the team, you know that <laughs> I'm just thinking about again these team building exercises. Have you ever been in one of those exercises where you you put in this sort of scenario where it's like 
um, you know, you're in a boat and it's shark infested waters and you've got too much equipment and you've thrown out stuff and you're sinking and like someone's got to go. You've got to decide which team member is not needed anymore on this boat. Have you been in those sort of exercises? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I've been in one of those. This is almost, this is embarrassing, but I will say it because I think it makes a point. I've been in one of those exercises where I was actually the team leader in real time, in the real world of this group. And we're going through one of these exercises and I you know, we went for about 10 minutes. And at the end of it, we're doing the debriefing. And one of the people who was a facilitator said to me, did you notice we actually took Bob out of the room? I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, I, I didn't know Bob went missing. I didn't realise. I was so focused on task, right? And to the point about understanding the dynamics, I mean, that was, <sighs> you know, Shannon, you talked about, you know, that, that one question that had such an impact. That was a deeply impactful moment on me as, as someone who's part of a team to think, wow, I was so focused on the task that I wasn't looking out for the people in the team. And I think all of us can bring that to our part in a team, that it's not just about task. And we're very aware now of connection and belonging, right? The pandemic has made us very conscious mm-hmm. of the need to build connection. Um, and people are looking for belonging. They're looking for purpose. It's part of creating an environment of well-being for everyone. Yeah. How important is that? And to be putting some time and effort and thought into that particularly for those of us who maybe it doesn't come as naturally to. Oh, you're, you're brilliant. You're, you're great at the people stuff now. But when, I, Bob did us a favour, I tell you. <laughs> it wasn't Bob's fault, but the, the shark watching us pulled him out of the boat. But anyway, yes. It, you know, it reminds me of, um, I don't know whether you guys probably have read the dysfunctional five dysfunctions of the team. Uh-huh. Um is it Patrick Lencioni? Um, but one of the books that he's written that I really kind of related to, probably because probably he had three things in it rather than five, was um, The Ideal Team Player. And I don't know whether you've, you've read that, but I kind of read it after having a few challenges by working in team and it kind of made sense to me. And it was saying about these three ideal, and he calls them virtues. Um, one of them is about being humble um, and not just about not having an ego and putting it all about me, but also not having false humility um but you know but just looking out for others over and above yourselves I see that you you guys it's amazing to be able to work with you on that another one is being hungry you know sort of willing to put put the time in and willing to kind of go the extra mile and again kind of I just see it in you and the other one to your point Michelle is about being people smart um Mm. and being aware of what's going on in different places and I know between the three of us even though we've not physically met um, you know, we're, we're, we're aware when someone's down or someone's having a problem or whatever. And it kind of, there's always, a, however urgent the work is that we've got to get done, there's always a little bit of space in there for that. But I think what's interesting about his work is the fact that it, he says that you have to have all of those characters because if you know you're, if you're humble and you're hungry you can just end up being like a bit of a fool and a bit of a liability you know if you're people smart and you're hungry you could end up being a real political animal you know so it's having all of those three characteristics um and I think it's 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 a very simple formula but everywhere I look from the good things and the bad things I think oh my goodness <laughs> I see that in play all of the time um and I find that really really helpful mm-hmm. well and I think that's the foundations of any good team isn't it right is that what what he's saying is to having those three those three legs if you will to the stool which is which goes back to the beginning part of our conversation I think we have those traits as a team our team 
we have those trades and we're, we, we've got our goal and, and we respect each other, you know, and there's no one ego that takes over our conversations or takes over the roles or takes over the activities. Yeah. And I think in corporate, so people who, again, are listening to this, who say, well, I don't have a choice in the team that I'm supposed to be a part of. Just go back to thinking about what then is your responsibility. And so if we think everybody else has the responsibility to make for a healthy team, then automatically we're setting ourselves up for failure. You know, so thinking about what is your role, what is your contribution, how can you make it a better place, you know, modeling that behavior perhaps, because you know, a dysfunctional team sometimes is symptomatic of a dysfunctional culture, you know. And so now you can only do what you can do. So just be responsible for yourself, right? I think mm. it's really interesting there because, you know, when we think about us being a team rather than just a group of people, you know, that responsibility of what we are individually contributing to build up other people I think it's almost like we're not just standing in a circle you've got your arms around each other in the circle and so like thinking about our individual role in doing that is is actually something that's I haven't really reflected on it before but it's like if one falls in this team we all fall and it's not because someone's let us down it's because you know we all want to hold each other up um, and I, I don't know where that's come from we were, for goodness sake, we're on the different sides of the world. I've had a few glasses of champagne with you, Michelle, and seriously not enough with you, Shannon. So where, <laughs> where, has it, where has it come from? We haven't spent any physical time together. I think that, you know, it's, it's values, alignment of values, a sense of purpose is truly important. Yeah. And if we weren't working on something together, we'd be a group of friends, right? Mm-hmm. rather than having something mm-hmm. that we're creating together, a goal we're pursuing together. So I think that's part of what makes a team and distinguishes a team. The other thing is around the difference between a team and a community is another interesting thing to explore. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, I have, um, I would call kind of community relationships with many people, you know, between the three of us, we've created a community through the work we're doing on Emerging Stronger. And I was thinking earlier today, um, would I call them a team, the participants in Emerging Stronger, because they've gotten incredibly close and supported each other with their work, provided input and contribution. But at the end of the day, they're not a team because they're all working towards different goals. Mm-hmm. And you think about Harold Jarkey's really good model where he overlays team, community and network. There's some overlap there um, and some sort of characteristics in that people in a team, in communities can have similar goals but unless you're pursuing the same goal, I think that's when you flip from being a community or a group into being a team. But a lot of the best qualities of teams are also the best qualities of communities, right, in terms of respect, mm-hmm. openness, having each other's back. Um, you know, it's just the what's the goal, I think, is a key thing that distinguishes, you know, why, why have you come together? Do you think that we modelled 
um, a certain level of that with the emerging stronger community because that was a that's a it was a global community. We worked together on the masterclass over six weeks. Everyone was bringing their own challenges, but with and we were all working out loud because mm. no one else, no one had emerged stronger from a pandemic before. So we're running this masterclass um, to help people come out stronger and bolder and more equipped and ready to take on their learning role in the new world. And yet at the same time as a as, as a coordinating team, we were learning every week from the participants as well. Do you think our team dynamic contributed in some way for good or bad uh, into the experience of the of the participants? I think that's I would a really hope good, for good. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. <laughs> you know, I hadn't pondered that, Laura, but um... I, I think if nothing else, we set a good example of, of how a team functions. I think it was really clear in the Emerging Stronger events, you know, the masterclass and everything throughout that we were in lockstep. You know, we each, we each have our own personalities and our own way of doing things definitely However, the way that we approach our philosophies, the way that we approach learning and development, the way that we believe in learning and development and how it's connected to the business all work together. We all had a very similar, I mean, we're, we're together with that. And so I think that made them see us as a intact team. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I think that's interesting, the point you touch on about diversity, Shannon, and you've mentioned it earlier on, Laura, that there is diversity in our three styles, in our backgrounds and what we bring to the table, but we work together well as a team. Um, and you think about what makes for a good team, that, that, that common purpose, but different perspectives, different skills, you, you get a richer team when people can bring that diversity to the table. And, you know, there, there's a reason that diversity and inclusion are on the agenda in HR and in, in organisations today, because I think that makes for stronger teams. But you know, there's a piece of really important research and insight that we haven't mentioned that trumps just about everything else, right? You know what it is. It's psychological safety. Oh, um, yes. right. And when you think about the, the work that Google did and the Aristotle project, and if any of the listeners haven't heard of it, you know, go and go and search up Google Aristotle Project, go and search up Dr. Amy Edmondson on psychological safety. Yeah. Google played and invested a huge amount of time and discipline around researching teams um, and con constituting different sorts of teams, tracking performance, you know, is diversity important? Um, you know, is, uh, you know, proximity to each other important and playing with all these different factors and what they came up with, which is something that Dr. Amy Edmondson had previously researched and been talking about and sharing is it's all about psychological safety. It's all about whether people feel they can bring their whole self to work, yeah. whether they feel they have a voice, some of the stuff we've talked about, whether they feel, you know, it's okay to make a mistake and then to learn from that mistake. And, you know, we're in learning. We talk about learning culture. Um, I think, again, great teams, teams where people can learn, learning culture, psychological safety, truly deeply intertwined. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think that also um, allows us 
to bring out creativity as well. And I'm just thinking, you know, most people know us for our emerging stronger work, but we've been, you know, writing uh, eBooks together and we've been asked to create ideas and tools and toolkits to address challenges. And I found that that creativity, being able to look at a problem that is it's been going on for so long and just be able to bounce off each other and those that diversity and that safety to be able to really explore that I think has correct um has brought out quite a lot of creativity for me because you know you question like Shannon you are so good at questioning you're so good at digging down so well what did you mean by that and do you really need to say that and that kind of you know, the work that we present back to our sponsors um, is so much cleaner and sharper, I think. Uh, you know, it's, it's to point because, you know, I think there's that phrase about iron sharpening iron. We're not afraid to say, you know what, that could be better. Or yeah. that sparked an idea in me. And that wouldn't happen, Michelle, if that wasn't for that kind of safe environment to be able That's to That's right. And it makes us each open to feedback as well. Mm -hmm. um, I thought what might be interesting, and I know we're, we're kind of approaching the end of the conversation, but a couple of things that might be interesting to do quickly is uh, we haven't talked about bad team experiences and the worst environments and what made them different and whether it's like it's just the reverse of everything that we said about a good team environment, but maybe a quick reflection on that. And I can tell a short story that I think really highlights for me what that looks like. Um, and uh, there may be some tips or you guys might have some other things you want to sure. roll out, like roll to the end with. But tell but us your you... bad story, Michelle. Come I on, will. tell us your bad story. And this, one, bad this bad. one is, yeah, this one, Big Heavens is not personally embarrassing. Or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> no ex-husbands, no Johns, no, no Bobs. <laughs> so much for that recruitment process. Hey, you just said right. ex. <laughs> All right, so we do want bad so um, I told you about that great team I worked in at American Express. We actually went through in that business unit um, an outsourcing process. Um, the dynamics of the industry had changed. They were looking at offshoring, outsourcing the work that that whole centre, like about 500, 600 people did. Every step of the way, there was complete transparency about why that was being explored, how it was being explored, what the findings were, what the decisions were that were being made. And you know that it was a production environment, so very SLA-driven. They, they were in the race to keep the work if they could, you know, demonstrate that they were the best value solution. At the end of the day, they lost the work. The work was outsourced and offshored, but they hit their SLA performance better than ever. They were cohesive, united right through that process. That's rare, right? And that's all about transparency. Yeah. and trust. I went through another, and I'm not going to say who this organisation was, but I went through another experience, which was the death of a thousand cuts in an organisation with restructures, redundancies, um, people like I would call to talk to someone I was on a project team with from another department and be told, oh no, they were made redundant last week. You had no idea who was going next and everybody shut down. Um, there was this environment of secrecy. Nothing was being explained. You didn't know why decisions were being made. You didn't know if you were next. And everyone stopped cooperating, stopped working together. It was awful. And it was so easily avoided. Yeah. It just, you know, so I think transparency and people understanding what's going on, truly deeply important to a, a team environment. Nobody wanted to co cooperate because everyone was in survival right. mode. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my bad experience. 
Uh, I don't know if you guys have got sort of, you've you shared one, Laura, in, in that, uh, sorry, Shannon, looking at Shannon and saying, Laura, we're so intermingled. Um, <laughs> We've all got glasses. It's fine. That's right, yeah. <laughs> it's so easy. Yeah, so I don't know if, if, if any of you, you, you shared a story before around that environment where you were basically told you're just here to watch, you're not here to be part of the team. I don't know if there's any, any other stories that really illustrate how to well, how to not create a great team yeah and i think the one the one don't do this example is again if i go back to back in my history part of a team meeting and we were doing this quasi brainstorming session about a problem that we were having uh systemically and one of the people who's generally quiet anyways the gentleman spoke up and one of the team leads said, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And I was like, ouch. And of course, you know, he sat back and he didn't say anything for the rest of the meeting. Fortunately, at this point, I had, I had built a relationship with the leads and I said, you know, can we talk a second? Let's debrief that, mm. you know? So mm. when, you, when you say this, what do you think the reaction, what do you think the counter reaction is going to be? And he goes, well, I know where you're going with this, but that's just who I am. And people know that and they accept that. No, no, they don't. They may know that you are like that and maybe that you are outspoken, but that doesn't necessarily make it right. Mm -hmm. So how we speak to each other, how we communicate to each other has a direct ripple effect on team results. So I, I say that to say, let's just be aware of how we communicate with each other and our tone of voices and the words that we use are important. Yeah. And I think that kind of reflects in another bad experience that I had as well, Shannon, because um, one of the teams that I worked in um, was during an era of a real work hard, play hard culture. And there was a real kind of cliqueiness about it. Everyone went out for drinks, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And if you were in, you were in. But if you weren't, you weren't. And that terms of diversity, not just in terms of gender and different attitudes or whatever age, um, it, it, it was like if you weren't in the clique, then you were constantly mm. missing out. And I think one of the tips that I had kind of picked out from that is actually... To, to learn to honor everyone, even if they're mm. not like you. Um, you know, how to find different ways of making people belong because it's horrible when you say, actually, I don't want to get involved with that level of play hard work. You know, it's not me. I want to have a different type of work-life mm. ba balance. And I think for me, that's uh, sort of been something that stayed with me is how do you help people who are not like you belong? Um, and I think that's one of the tips that, um, that I, you know, look out for diversity and then work out how to embrace it, how to enjoy it, how to learn from it, rather than just do diversity as a tick in the box. Right. Um, and I think that for me is something that I've really enjoyed. It might look like we're not diverse, but we're actually, we're incredibly diverse it, um, mm. in terms of our backgrounds, our attitudes, our mindsets, um, <laughs> and our location and time, time frames <laughs> as well. So that would be my quick tip. I know, I know we haven't got much time because let's be honest, we've got to continue with a team meeting once this recording <laughs> finished. <laughs> and, and for me, it's now getting kind of late. <laughs> so Shannon, what's your hint, a hint and tip for great teams? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I'll, I'll just 
repeat what I said, you know, just open communication, transparency, honesty, lead with respect, lead with compassion. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. never know who on your team is going through something. You know, there might be something happening in their life or something happening in their work that you just don't know what's happening. So, you know, just lead with that level of compassion and empathy, although it's hard. I mean, if you're like me and you were the only woman in a male dominated area to use words like vulnerability and compassion and empathy, those, those are all hard words, but put those words in the context of where you are at. And if you do that, you'll, you'll find your path. Yeah. Brilliant. Mm. Last words from you, Michelle? Um, I want to reflect on courage and personal courage Uh, and and something I hadn't anticipated when we started this conversation is so much of it being about how we show up and as team members as opposed to leading and shaping teams. This conversation has really made me realise we all have that responsibility um, and we all have an impact and can influence the dynamics so we are not powerless Um, even with, you know, sometimes having something to rally rally against like a bad leader um, who doesn't get it can can be power in itself. You know, and I've once worked in a team where the change manager said to the project manager at one point, you have two two ears and one mouth and you talk as if you have no ears and 10 mouths, you know, the way you interact with the team. So she was in a position where she could call that out. But um, we, we all have an impact. Um, and there are things we can all do con- to contribute to the dynamic. So thinking about your own place and the dynamic of your team um, and not waiting for someone else to create the dynamic and being deliberate about that, um, I-, I think, is re- a really powerful perspective I've taken away from this conversation yeah. around my role in the team, no matter what place I have in each of those teams. Um, and voice, I think, as well, having the courage mm-hmm. To, to shape your voice, to have your say, to call things out in the way you've talked about, Shannon. And I can think of barometers, almost like the ethical barometers in some of the teams I've worked in who weren't necessarily the leader who would call things out in terms of behaviours and put them on the table for, for discussion or call people out. And that was such a valuable contribution to yeah. building those kind of things you've talked about, the respect, mm-hmm. your safety um, and to valuing diversity. So yes, everyone's got a part to play in this. You know what? This is su- this is such a typical team meeting for us. <laughs> We're always kind of exploring and finding out something new, something different. You know, it's up, it always goes a little bit in a direction that none of us have planned. So I think it's been a very typical environment uh, that we've invited uh, Andrew and his listeners into. But we do have to go and get on with some work now. <laughs> So we're going to have to pull a halt on this one. But ladies, always a pleasure, always a pleasure to talk to you about any of the subjects. I know. Uh, Thank you, as always, ladies, for being part of our journey. You know, I always learn so much whenever the three of us are together. So I appreciate you. And I appreciate the two of you, too. Thank you for... (gasps) Laura setting up the opportunity to talk about the team reflect on our team reflect on other teams so Shannon Laura enjoy the rest of your day yes good have a good day Laura have a good night drink some wine I can't we've got a team meeting coming up (laughs) (laughs) even more importantly drink some wine (laughs) that flew by we're so lucky to be able to pause rewind and listen back to conversations like this 
just from doing women talking about learning. And the breadth and depth of this conversation was particularly smart. An enormous thank you to Laura, Michelle and Shannon for an inspiring and engaging chat. And you'll find their contact details in the show notes, along with all the links uh, and topics that they referenced. Um, All of those links will be in the show notes as well. Please share, like and subscribe to the podcast. It helps people find us. It really does. It pushes us up the charts. Um, This podcast gets into the top 20, top 50 business podcasts sometimes. Um, And by liking it and subscribing and recommending it, it does create more visibility for us. We do thank everyone who supports, listens and amplifies the work that we're doing. Um, You really are appreciated. As always, thanks for listening and we'll see you again soon.